Hello everyone and welcome to the Connected Podcast. This is the place where we discuss people, ideas, marketing, technology and anything else that feels right. I'm Sasha Owusu, Senior Planner for the TED Department at Mediacom. Hi, I'm Sue Uniman, Chief Transformation Officer at Mediacom. And our guest joining us today is Fo Brown. How are you, Fo? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. What an honour and a pleasure. Glad to have you on the podcast today. It's been a while. I haven't seen you in a very long time. <laughs> um, Fo Brown is the Global Account Director at Mediacom UK, President for Diversity, Belonging and Inclusion at IAA UK, and also a member of the Global Belonging Council at Mediacom. Fo previously spent seven years at PhD before joining Mediacom as a Business Director in New Zealand. Fo's experience spreads across several industries such as FMCG, airline, automotive, retail, entertainment and gaming. As a full-time media person and equality advocate, she's extremely focused on creating pathways into our amazing industry for underprivileged people. Um, Once again, I'd like to thank you for coming on the podcast again, Fo. Um, First and foremost, how are you? How's the last year been for you considering the impact of COVID, not only on the work level, but also personally? I mean, the one word that comes to mind is intense. And I'm sure I'm not the only person that feels this way or has felt this way the whole way along. But I mean, professionally, um, I'm shocked and I'm also really proud at at how much my team and I have, have done to really support our clients and to support each other. And in the turn of the year, one of the things that I've been talking to my team about is is creating a culture of care because we were very much last year a a high performance kind of culture team. Mm -hmm. So that meant that, you know, everybody was just pivoting, coming up with ideas proactively, you know, trying to kind of hold this culture together, obviously without being in the presence of their workmates. And Mm -hmm. it felt by the end of it that we were all exhausted. You know, Mm -hmm. we were really proud of ourselves for what we had managed to do, but also, yeah, really tired. And we thought that change would come at the turn of the new year, which obviously for all of us, it hadn't. We're still, you know, however many months later, still working from home. Uh, So, yeah, I would say it's been intense, but loads of pros and, you know, loads of challenges and trials and tribulations. But we're here. We're smiling. (laughs) So we're hearing a lot about resilience from people, obviously, which is what you're talking about for you and your team. Where do you think for you personally that comes from, either from your career or experiences in the past or just life in general? Is there like a few moments you could point to and go, that tested me, I got through that? Yeah, I would say a lot of it is actually to do with my upbringing. Mm. So I come from an underprivileged uh, family. I come from a single mum household and multiple children, blended family. Mm. So you kind of needed to sort yourself out because, you know, you didn't make your own lunch, you didn't get fed, you needed to learn how to work with what was in the kitchen cupboard so that you could have something that you wanted to eat. So it seems, you know, it seems to me that a lot of the skills that I learned from having to take care of myself and having to take care of my family and not complaining because we had what we had has really helped me in my career. And it also has helped me uh, with my desire to really give back. So I love that you use the word resilience. And what I found is it's really hard to to encourage resilience whilst also being conscious of mental health. Because every person's level of resilience is kind Mm -hmm. of different. 
So I would say as, as a leader of the team, that's been a really big learning for me over the past six months, particularly. And it's sort of what you've described, isn't it? You're kind of moving from, come on, everybody, let's just rush forward to actually acknowledging that we all need to take a breath mm-hmm. and that none of us are, you know, superwoman. Yeah, exactly. And I'm really My- proud well of my client partners because I was able to be really honest with them, uh, particularly with my Reebok team. You know, these guys are the best the best team in the world globally, I will say, you know, and, and my clients will back me up on that. And we are... Open brackets, other great teams are available at Carry <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, I, I was able to be really honest with them and say, you know, we're now at November, December, it's been such a year of turmoil and the team are, you know, they need they need to take the foot off the pedal. And, you know, I take my hat off to my clients because they're so supportive of that. And at the end of last year, when Josh announced that we were giving everybody a mental health day mm-hmm. and my clients were so supportive of that, they were like, absolutely cancel all meetings. You guys take this extended time to look after yourselves and come back firing. So, yeah, so I think, as I said, the start of the my resilience story is definitely from my childhood because I realize now how blessed I am. I'm blessed to be working. I'm blessed to be working in a great company. And then a lot of it has been sort of learning from really great, you know, bosses that I've had, mm-hmm. how to, you know, the difference between management and leadership. And um, so I'd say, yeah, my career has definitely kind of helped that. But the value certainly started when I was young. Which was not that long ago, Ahem. <laughs> no, it isn't that long ago. You are, to me, you're both very young. <laughs> oh, bless, bless. You said that you had great managers that have helped you get to where you are today. Um, and you also mentioned just how happy you are to work for a great company. This feeling of belonging, and we've done a number of podcasts based on the theme of belonging and just how much there is to be gained from everyone feeling like they belong. What exactly does belonging mean to you? Um, and just how important is it that there is belonging within the workplace? Mm, really good question. And I thought about this for quite a while um, leading up to this conversation. And I think for me, belonging is really just, you know, us being nice to each other, you know, not being mean to each other and not you know, in any sort of kind of meanness, you know, from violence to microaggressions to excluding people from just day-to-day conversations. So belonging, I think, for me is when we genuinely have this kind of feeling of love and, and warmness towards each other. And it's really important to me, and I do think it starts with really small behaviours. One of the things that I've always done is strike up conversations in the kitchen with people that I've... At work. Yeah. Exactly, in the work office, which we haven't been able to do. Remember that, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I certainly will start that back I up. When we yeah. get, you know, it's just I haven't seen this person. Hi, how are you? Do you know how to work the coffee machine? Or did you try those muffins over there? They're great. Uh, so I've always tried to do that right through my career, and I've continued to do that. And even within we my... We better at that, though, right, can't we? Because the thing that was true of Theobald's Road is that if you didn't know someone and you were in the lift with them, you wouldn't necessarily speak to them. No. Same in the, same in the kitchen. Maybe if there was, maybe if no one had, you know, put the mugs out of the sink into the dishwasher, you might go, oh, you know, am I the only person? But 
it would be good we can get kinder right we can get more open to each other we can meet each other more you're just making me think that that that's something that we should be as we move back into the office we need to be speaking to each other in that kindness way well I remember when I first joined and I came from a completely different industry I remember walking in feeling the people the culture everything's completely different and just how welcoming people are um it gave me a sense of confidence that this is a place where I can see myself working for a very long time. So I do understand the notion that we should always be looking to do better, but we're all right. Yeah, yeah, we're okay. I would agree with you there. And I was going to come on to talking about the hiring process because Mm -hmm. part of my process is always to have my existing team meet potential new candidates because Mm -hmm. culture is really important. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm talking to these new candidates, I always say the culture is great. And particularly within TED, because that's where I first kind of joined. And that was a fantastic introduction, I think, to Mediacom International, because I came from Mediacom New Zealand, which is a smaller office. So we all knew each other. Um, But I think it's important to not take that for granted and to potentially understand that a small hello could actually mean a lot to a person Um, and encouraging I think particularly that behavior from our leadership because I do believe culture you know really needs to start from the top and work its way down so yeah I do 100% agree with you I think it becomes a fantastic place for people to come and work and uh, particularly within my team we are looking for people (laughs) so yeah but I mean I I definitely always think that we can go further and I'm loving that we have this global belonging council that started and it's been probably the bigger focus when I say bigger focus for me in the last six months it's really been you know something that I'm dedicating a lot of my personal time to mm-hmm. so my work with the um, IAA UK is all about diversity um, I am also I, I had also launched my own scholarship uh, last year for, specifically for black students that wanted to study um, law and um, international relations and the reason why I did that was because I firmly believe that policy is what is needed to be able to make systemic change. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to use my area of influence to change the world around me. And the language that I've been using is to encourage other people to do the same. But that's very inspirational. And, and I, but you're also making me think, because we sit on the Global Belonging Council together, that we probably haven't got a kind of work stream that's about the little things, about the saying hello and the, and the meeting up. And, and, there's there's a buddying idea, isn't there, that we're, we're, yeah. we're progressing. We shouldn't say too much more at the moment because I'm not sure when this podcast is going out. But just just everybody just saying hello and being friendly. I'm sure when we first start to go back, we all will be because it's, it's just going to be so exciting. Mm. And it'll be really important for the people who started. Oh, when we without ever meeting anybody. Yeah. Yes, it's been so hard for them. I've been speaking to a few people inside our agency and outside and they've said, it's really weird to be working with people that you've never met. So yes, excited for us all to have a uh, an ambition to say hello to our colleagues when we go back. I, w- I was actually on a call the other day with somebody who pretty much said he hadn't turned his camera on for a year. Um, Goodness, that's a long time. Turn your camera, turn, turn your camera on everyone. <laughs> Smile at people. Um, so 2021, what do you hope to have achieved 
by the end of this year? A really good question. A promotion. I hope Nick Lawson is listening. So, I mean, I definitely have some personal goals mm-hmm. um, as in addition to the professional ones. So the professional ones, I really am looking for um, a new challenge. When I say new challenge, it's not necessarily, you know, changing of clients, but upskilling. Uh, and I'm also on a personal belonging kind of um, framework. I'm looking to launch my own podcast, which is very much about educating specifically or in particular women of color and other um, minorities on how to understand your value and how to go about negotiating for that, discussing discussing that and career planning and things like that. Amazing. In addition to that, I'm looking to set up a, a coffee club of sorts, which is again for for women of color to to do sort of mentoring with them and, and training and upskilling. And then there's a whole raft of things that we want to get across the board with the IAA. So I think my real problem at the moment is focus and execution. So I've got a load of things that I want to get done. So I don't want to say too many on this podcast. Then you'll be asking me in six months, did you get those done? (laughs) You know what they always say, if you want something done, give it to a busy woman. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and then... I guess my my other thing that I would like to achieve, hopefully, is going home to see my family. Yeah. Has it been a while? Yes, actually, it's going on two years, and that's not by choice. I think that's the hardest thing. It's when you can't go. So fingers crossed that goes well. And yeah, I mean, there's the usual get fit goals. <laughs> involved in me and pretty fit to me how week uh group that we have going so about every three or four weeks she's like right guys time to put down the cake pick up the pop outs it's like oh goodness really but no that's good that's good for good for me if there's one pro that's definitely come out of this is the many couch to 5ks that i've been able to do (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure many people can join me on that as well um so we're going to move into the questions that we ask everyone. Um, and <laughs> you look surprised. <laughs> so, um, I mean, it's it's a perfect opportunity just to get a little bit more personal. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Although we're obviously very strict about the answer. Of course. <laughs> so the first one is, uh, what is your favourite line from a poem, song or a book? Oh, my goodness. See, I'm, I'm really not good with remembering specifics I'm more a sentiment con you know context kind of feeling person so when when I knew that I was going to have to ask this I was thinking oh my goodness my mind just went black uh blank I should say blank um so then I thought do I kind of go the poem route which would be kind of intellectual or do I just kind of stay <laughs> do I do what, do what feels right <laughs> yeah or, or do I kind of stay a little bit closer to my roots so anyway I've got this one which I think is really powerful and maybe is um it it talks to 
something that is really important to me, which is the the female equality agenda. And it comes from Tupac and it's from Keep Your Head Up, if you know the song. I'll read you the lyrics and then potentially I'll try and wrap it for you. But the lyrics are, and since we all came from a woman, got our name from a woman and our game from a woman, I wonder why we take from our woman, why we rape our woman, do we hate our woman? So it's a really powerful uh, rhyme. Yeah. And I thought it was, yeah, it's it's quite heavy in a way because, yeah. you know, but the, the this is the reality of the world that we are kind of living in. And so I wanted to share that. Um, <laughs> are you going to wrap it first? Or? <laughs> Maybe, Sasha, you can just input a, a, an audio <laughs> clipping. I'm too bad doing it justice. <laughs> we'll see what we can do. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. Okay, if you were a genie, what five commonly available objects would I have to put in a magic circle to summon you? cake for sure any particular type of cake what's your cake of favorite cake of choice usually chocolate will always yeah chocolate but at the moment red velvet is a red velvet my my view is cake has to be homemade so my view is i don't know where you sit on this is that shop-bought cake homemade cake they're kind of two different things they're Mm -hmm. not they are two different things, but I love what well, I don't even know if I can say Colin or Cuthbert at the moment. Oh. But. <laughs> <laughs> entering that, entering that controversy. <laughs> you know. yeah. Goodness, did you see no, that? That's true, I'm but sure. it's a different thing from a homemade red velvet cake, which oh, um, awesome. I, sh- I should. My um, if you ever want some made, actually, my um, I should I should um, shamelessly plug my daughter's uh, side hustle, which okay. is uh, catering. She makes a lovely red velvet cupcake. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm totally on board with homemade cakes, yeah. as long as they're not made by me. Oh, okay. Very oh, this is perfect eating. then. We'll talk separately. <laughs> Very good at the eating, not so good at the baking. Okay, um, excellent. Yes, so please, please definitely hook me up. And Sasha, I don't know if you saw that Munya short clip that he did around the controversy. Genius, you definitely yeah, really. share that with your listenership. He is so mm-hmm. good. Uh, but basically, he does a, a little skit between himself into it, interviewing Colin and Cuthbert. It's two arguing caterpillars. It's hilarious. It's so, so funny. And so, yes, yeah, so cake. Uh, definitely vinyls. Yeah. to records at the moment. Uh, I'm, I miss the smell. I may have said this on this podcast before. I actually still miss the smell of vinyl. So when I was growing up, you know, when I was a teenager, that was the that was the that was the medium, and the the whole saving up for a record was a huge thing because you know I couldn't afford them, and I would save up and save up, and then you'd buy it, and then you'd take it home, and then the smell of the new vinyl, but also the the carefulness with which you had to look after it was, um, yeah, really exactly. really tr- sort of triggers great kind of moments and memories for me. Yeah, I have to say, I I basically got into it during lockdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bought a record player and I had this this romantic idea that I would go to um, what you call it charity shops and browse, find mm-hmm. some interesting looking records. And I was quite lucky that my partner's uh, grandmother's estate was being cleared out, and she had this box of really old records, wartime records, which has been wow. incredible. There are Italian operas, uh, wartime records, and actually I brought one because <laughs> I just find this hilarious and brilliant because I think it goes to show how, I guess, far in a way we've come with advertising, particularly within the music uh, industry. And here's the pinup girl of 
me see when uh, 1970s this was re-recorded but the album is called Bumper Bundle Party by Mrs Mills and here she is oh that's fantastic oh I need to take a screenshot right keep holding that up I'm gonna (laughs) that's a fantastic cover isn't it great that's wonderful yeah, so so there's all these gems in there. Um, and then in addition, I'd bought some albums that I love, um, Etta James and the Dirty Dancing soundtrack, if you love that movie like I do. And I would say the Dirty Dancing uh, video is probably my third film, or, or movies of the 80s are probably the third thing that you'd need to put in that circle. Uh, other commonly available items at the moment I would say it would be my resistance bands because I've been needing them for the workouts mm-hmm. and obviously my cell phone because <laughs> how could I clear my emails <laughs> I know I don't know whether we should allow cell phones yeah, I'm not kind too of, sure you know we're, we're going to take a poll we'll allow it for today but it's okay. uh, it's it's a bit like saying I want everything really isn't it right, so, yeah yeah so uh, that's a great that's a great selection thank you yeah. i really like the vinyl selection that was really great um so what is your single best skill i think my single best skill is is being openly kind to people i, I think that is my best skill it's something that comes very naturally i often get told them come across as reasonably maternal but it's something that gives me a lot of joy as well i like i i love to be openly kind and warm it's the salmon way which is my heritage by the way and and eating copious amounts of food those be my two (laughs) (laughs) that sounds like a good good mediacom way as well right on what would you practice more if you had the time and the space oh my goodness okay so in lockdown Mm. with the hour or two that i save on commuting i can learn some skills so i feel yeah everybody else you know i signed up for for um for programming i bought instruments i bought a playstation anyway i bought a ton of things One of the things that I bought that I never even got an opportunity to really take out of the bag, because I don't know why I bought it in lockdown, was a violin. Oh, my goodness. So I started practicing again how to sight read music, and I thought, I'm going to teach myself how to play the violin, and thinking, I can't do this to my poor neighbors. The <laughs> last thing it's they- not an easy instrument to learn, right? <laughs> the last thing we want in lockdown is an adult trying to learn how to play happy birthday on the violin during lockdown. So I've not touched it. But I will, if I had more time and more space, um, and it could be in a place where nobody could hear me, it would be the violin. It's really interesting. I mean, we're starting to get a collection of instruments coming as the answers to this question. Uh-huh. Maybe a media com- or- uh, orchestra that comes out. <laughs> uh, maybe sign me up in about three years. <laughs> yeah. uh, so next question would be, what fictional world would you live in and why? Oh, my fictional world. Actually, there's a recurring dream that I used to have when I was younger. And I was I was probably about eight or nine. And in this fictional world, I um let me just make sure my laptop's plugged in. I 
the whole world was made out of Milky Bars and Kit Kats and everything was edible. So I think if I could, I would go back to that world. It clearly means a lot to me because I kept dreaming about it. So <laughs> so sweet. <laughs> okay. And now, finally, the question that you cannot prepare for. Um, I'm holding up three cards from the School of Life, and I'm going to call them A, B, and C. Which one would you like? I will go for a B, please. B, the middle one. Okay. Everyone goes for B, don't they? B for a brown. <laughs> Usually, a lot of people go for B. Um, <laughs> The question is, what makes a person a good travelling companion? Oh, OK. I know the answer to this one because I have had travelling companions that I shall travel with no longer. <laughs> good and bad. OK. <laughs> yes. So for me, the perfect travelling companion is someone who's up for spontaneous adventures, you know, finding a good local restaurant, you know, maybe going on a tour, but also, and really importantly, someone who's able to spend time on their own. Yes. So I often like to just wander off with headphones in, really feel a place. Mm. And if someone likes to be in my pocket the whole time, then we start to <laughs> start to get on each other's nerves. So for me, a perfect traveling companion is someone who can do a bit of both. And let's hope we will all have the capacity to travel soon. Yes, yes please. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you ever so much for joining us on the podcast today um it's been an absolute pleasure i'd also be good to see you again because it's been a very long time absolutely and we hope to have you on again very soon yeah thank you so much for having me and please don't forget about that spotify playlist that you I, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much everyone take care